Before we begin, a quick note for our listeners. Jack's audio for the first few minutes of this episode was unfortunately lost. However, due to the magic of editing, we've managed to recreate his contributions in a way we think you'll find seamless and easy to follow. Russell Crackle, Russell Crackle, Russell Crackle. Hey, I'm just not trying to... It's called... I'm trying to open my bag now. The sound of many snacks with Dangerously Unprepared. And welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Rob. All right, pals! Irish. Hello. And phoning us apparently today is Jack. (laughs) So I want to dive into a conversation we were having before this started, when I was talking about how I wanted to gush about Nier, because I was kind of interested that... Uh, you, Irish, told me you didn't expect me to like Near Automata. I don't. I don't know why. I just, despite knowing your, like I said, uh, like I said your your transhumanist le- uh, leanings, I just for some reason thought it wouldn't be your game. And I, I'm absolutely fascinated to know what the the thinking behind that was. I don't know. I just <laughs> honestly, I, I just, I just looked at it and went. Mm. It might not be a game Simon will be into. Completely forgetting about your your love of Bayonetta. Yes, it is it is the opposite of that. It is a game I I I think it's gonna be difficult for another game to come out this year that beats it for game of the year, to be honest. So Wow. So as I've not seen I've heard of this game, but I've not seen any trailer or anything. What's for the listeners as well, I'm sure this will be helpful. What is this thing you're talking about? <laughs> Yes. There's actually not that much booty in it. I mean, there is booty, but you have to go looking for the booty. <laughs> yeah. What is it? Okay, so Near Automata is a, a sequel to the game Near, which in itself was a sort of official, unofficial sequel to the Drakengard games. Uh, all the work of Japanese game designer Yoko Taro. Yes. Now, I have not played Drakengard, I have not played the original Nier, so I don't know how closely anything in this game ties in with the actual I plot have. of those games. I have played those games. Okay, because I know that the original Nier is set like a thousand years after Drakengard, I think? It's set... <laughs> right, so you understand, when it comes to Drakengard and Nier, each one has got multiple endings that have different essential timelines based on them. And... The original Nier is set from, I think, the fourth ending of the original Drakengard. Yeah. And then Nier Automata is something like from the third ending I think of it's actually the original the Nier. Uh, or something I think like it's, that. It's, it's Route E, I think, this follows yeah. from. So they, they've really built a... <laughs> when it comes to a multiverse... Yeah. Yeah. 
But that's really quite cool. Like having a multiple ending game, and then they spawn sequels from the different endings that you have. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know how closely this ties into any of the original Near lore. I've had a quick read about Near, and it doesn't seem to be closely related. One no, one it, character it does recur, but that's pretty yeah. much it. So coming into this cold, not a problem. Like picking up the plot, you do not need to have played any of the previous games. Trust me. Um, the basic premise is Earth was invaded by an alien intelligence that created machine life, and the humans defeated fled to the moon. So at the start of this game, we exist in the midst of the the, the aftermath of that apocalypse. Earth is abandoned by humans and is now populated by nature and these machine life forms, most of whom look like very childish and childlike wind-up toys. They've got big round heads, tube bodies, and sort of very clunky flat feet. Um, some of them even sort of hop along like the little jumping wind-up toys. And you play... Well, in the first playthrough, you play as 2B, uh, a combat model android deployed from the bunker, one of the orbital satellites around the Earth that the humans have put these androids in to fight their war for them against this machine life, the androids being human-looking uh, artificial life. So it's androids versus machines, but there is that distinction. One is created by humans, one by aliens, one is very childlike and simple, the other are these human-looking beings. <clears throat> it's hard to describe how the game plays. There are RPG elements. There's not really a branching storyline, but there's a lot of stat management, item management, item upgrading, character upgrading, more so than in most, because as a android, you can get patches and plug-in chips that can change the way you fight. So if you want to go melee heavy, then you can get shielding programs and ranged resistance programs and melee attack up kind of stuff and really patch yourself up for that kind of combat. And equally, you can focus on ranged, whatever. Is it one of those games where uh, essentially death is a benefit rather than a hindrance? Um, no. No, not really. No. Death is... It's not a huge hindrance, but it's certainly not a benefit. You'll just respawn at your last save point. The game goes out of its way to tell you there's no autosave. Uh, some characters will even tell you that in character, in a very weird meta fourth wall breaking way. Um, I thought it were, I thought there was a thing where you could go back to your previous body and remove parts. Uh, there, there are corpse runs. I mean, that's probably okay. the only hindrance. Like you lose the items you had when you die and have to run back to your corpse and retrieve them. Okay. Um, it's not really a benefit that that is getting around the hindrance. Mm. Now, is the fact that you're upgrading yourself because of, I mean, it's a, a few games like Deus Ex does that, doesn't it? Because you are like a cyborg and android or whatever. That in story is the reason why you're improving because you're leveling up, getting the upgrades and stuff. Is that what it means by it being an RPG, or is it that is there actual like role playing character development sort of stuff in there as well? There's no real role playing as in you making character decisions. There is definitely character development, but it's all narrative. The, right. the storyline definitely grows these characters as people. 
in in big and very significant ways and grows the characters around you but it is a story being told not a role you're playing i'd say rpg is the wrong descriptor okay um the combat is uh one of the big changes between this and previous yokotaro games uh they got platinum games in to actually make the game mechanics so it plays like a platinum games brawler uh, which means, as you might expect, vast, lavish, surreal boss fights, uh, intense melee combat, uh, with a lot of emphasis on dodging counterattacks and huge moves. The boss fights are truly epic. I mean, they're insane. So it plays a bit like Bayonetta in the brawling. But that wouldn't be sort of a fair representation of it as a genre, just like RPG wouldn't be either. Yeah. It's it's also an open world exploration game. It's also a side scrolling platformer. It's also a vertical shooter. It's also a bullet hell game. It it does all of these things. It sounds very Japanese. Very Japanese, yes. Exceedingly <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it, it is not Horizon. Uh it is a very different game. Um, yeah, so the, the androids have access to these flight units, and when you're in them, it becomes a Jack disappearing again. Oh, God damn it. That, that's what it becomes. It, it becomes Jack disappearing again. <laughs> Just, yeah, he's messaging to the group saying, you've all gone silent again, as if it's us that's the problem. <laughs> well, from his perspective, it probably is. Yeah, I suppose. From my perspective, it's just funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's back in the room, but can we hear him? I literally never left. Okay, you I all just went really you. quiet. I was I was still in the room. It's our fault. Okay. It is all your fault. <laughs> so yeah, the androids have access to these flight units, and when you're in flight, it becomes a shooter. All right. And it's when you're on foot, it's definitely more of a platinum brawler, and there's a lot of exploration... But what really sells this game for me, there are, well, obviously the setting. I do really love, as you say, the whole transhumanist android life um, thing. But it's the music, which is stunning. Like, go and listen to some of the OST stuff on YouTube. Oh yeah, I have. I have listened to the soundtrack, and the music is amazing. It's so it, it runs the gamut of genres. There's stuff in there that reminds me of the best stuff from Ghost in the Shell soundtracks. Um, there's stuff in there that is hauntingly beautiful, and there's stuff in there that's creepily terrifying, and, and it's all appropriately used. Let me assure you. <laughs> and the other is just the narrative, because I very much like previous near and. Drakengard games by the sound of it yeah there are multiple endings here um you know I, I went in very well aware that the second time you play it is different to the first the ter third time you play it is completely different to the first two do you still play as 2b no oh, okay it's there's three androids aren't there uh, well there's two there's two don't don't okay. get too spoilery <laughs> so okay <laughs> on the first playthrough you play as 2b who is partnered with a recon unit called 9S, who is a, a male android. And on the second playthrough, you play as 9S, and you tell the same story in parallel. 
So oh, okay. the parts of the game where you're separated are completely different, but the parts where you're together, you replay the same game. Uh, so the main boss fights and such are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But any side quests you complete as 2B, you don't then have to complete as 9S. They're already done. Okay. Any side quests you didn't complete as 2B are still available to you to do as 9S because you are telling those stories in parallel. Mm. What you don't know going into the game necessarily, although I did, and it's not a huge spoiler, is that the third playthrough actually happens after the first two. It continues the narrative. So it's a completely new part of the game. And and this is where a third android may or may not be involved. Okay. There's a third android. There's a third android listed on the blurb to the box of the game. Okay, cool. In, in that that's case, what I meant. yeah, there is a third <laughs> android, and the third android can be involved in the third playthrough. Doesn't have to be, huh. depending on choices okay. you make okay. in the first two. All right. <laughs> um. And yeah, that difference in what you see is really really interesting. Because there's a lot of very, very deep thematic stuff going on in the narrative. It's very thought-provoking. Like, I can understand anyone playing through as 2B, doing their first playthrough and going, that was a really good story from beginning to end. It was a rich and satisfying experience. I'm really glad I played that and thinking they've experienced it all because the story itself is great. And then replaying it as 9S... What's interesting is 2B is designed as a combat unit. Yeah. So you get involved in the depth of all the boss fights. You're in there doing your dodging, your countering, your fighting, and that's how you think about the boss. You get to look at them. You get to go there, you know, beautifully rendered or terrifying looking. <laughs> Their mechanics are interesting and they're just visually impressive. And it's a fight. 9S, on the other hand, is a recon unit. He's not great at fighting. He doesn't even have a heavy attack. What oh. he has instead is a hack. So he can hack into his enemies, which turns into a little top-down bullet hell shooter game. But he can also get a little bit... Apparently, I haven't actually reached this part of 9S, but in the boss fights... Apparently it exposes a little bit of backstory for the bosses to 9S right. when he's inside them, hacking them. So you get to learn a little bit about their motivations and history, and it gives you more depth <laughs> to the story that 2B didn't know or care about. Okay. So that's really huh. cool. I like, I like it when they're... And, that, and that's for the boss fights, or is that against any enemy, Simon? You can hack any enemy, but you won't get sort of extended lore on your regular mobs around the world. See, I, I really like that. Any any extra thought that is put into boss fights um, lately is greatly approved because, um, you know, I think it's really difficult to do boss fights well in games a lot these days. So that's pretty cool that there's that they extra They do the layer. boss fights well in this, do <laughs> so well. Um, and another interesting thing is when you're hacking, when you go into this little top-down bullet hell shooter game, uh, any music that is playing, whether it's just incidental world music or boss battle music becomes an 8-bit version of itself whilst you're doing the hack. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Which is awesome. really cool. Um, you also get little cutscenes for 9S that you don't get for 2B, again, giving you a little bit more depth and detail on the world and the history of these machines. For example, one of the earliest parts of the game is you're chasing a specific machine 
this this is your designated target, and you're as two B and nine S, you are chasing it, and it's saying, uh, "Run, run away, Android, scary, please stop," and and Ooh. basically begging for its life. Wow. And nine S is is convinced machines can't speak. It's just randomly using words. It, it, there's no meaning to it. It's strange that it sounds like it has meaning, but it's just meaningless words. Right. And as you get close to chasing it down, playing as 9S, there's a sudden interruption, a cutscene, talking about a god figure appearing to the machines and teaching them the concept of consciousness and shame and fear and pain and also joy and love. That's horrible. Uh, so they only get that right at the end, so they know what they're losing. Oh, no, no, no. They they get that. This is a a bit of history. I see. The machines have this before the game starts. They okay, are I'm, aware. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, as the androids, the propaganda says they don't. Oh. But this is just... It's telling you, no, they absolutely do. They absolutely do have consciousness. Uh, which makes you feel even more like the bad guy. Hmm. And uh, I don't want to be too spoilery about where this goes because the plot is pretty fucking Japanese. Um, <laughs> yeah, but brilliant, like really, really good. Um, there, there's a village of friendly machines that have disconnected themselves from the network and are no longer hostile, led by Pascal, who is a, fa uh, a pacifist now, and Pascal's amazing. Uh, and one of the machines that lives there is Jean-Paul, who has become very, very philosophical and is a complete asshat. <laughs> There's a moment where you meet some machines that have got religion, and that's frankly terrifying. Oh. Uh, and without going too deep, because one of the things I really like about the way the story is told is a lot of it is implied and left for your own interpretation. Like that, nothing is sort of explicitly uh, lampshaded for you. But what I see in the structure of it mm. is you have these these perfect beings, these androids. They can't die because if they've got a backup, they can just be restored. They're all beautiful, um, and they orbit Earth and drop down to do the bidding of humanity for the glory of mankind. Is a recurring phrase for the Yorha androids. And of course mankind created them and are an absent creator. All of their commands come through command, oh, a specific God. android. And so they orbit Earth doing the bidding of an unseen creator and they drop down amongst this populace of simple primitive beings who have been granted consciousness almost against their will and are developing emotions and trying to develop societal structures and starting to think deeply and developing philosophy and who fear you, the, the agents of this unseen creator. So if you want to look at it as a whole analogue for God, angels, and man, that's certainly there. Yeah, sounds like it. What you're saying. That is definitely there for you. That's very cool. But again, like I said, none of that is sort of pointed out heavy-handedly in the game. That's just my take. That's my interpretation. That's pretty and awesome. I haven't even seen the third playthrough yet. God knows what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've met the... Does it explicitly name the third android on the blurb? Uh, I can't remember. There was also one on the front cover as well. There was a third one in the background. 
ah, that'll be interesting because I bought it on Steam, so I don't have a box cover. Ah, okay. Um, There's a third one with like a big spear or something in the background. Okay. Uh, I, I think I've met the third android as an NPC in my first playthrough. Oh, uh, right. And having them get more involved, very interesting. Oh, oh yeah, okay. and also in terms of the biblical allegory, there is in fact a machine called Adam, and when you defeat Adam for the first time, a machine called Eve literally steps out of Adam. Oh, Christ. Uh, uh. So he's born from Adam's rib, as it were. Yeah. Uh, however, Adam and Eve are identical male twins. Oh. Okay. And I won't go too in-depth on them, because they're fascinating and wonderful, and the most intense boss fights in the game. Um, just, I, I thoroughly recommend this game. It's so good. That sounds amazing. Well, maybe when you've finished it, we can do what we're doing today, but for that. Yeah, I mean, there are 26 endings, so it'll be what? the definition of the word finished. What? Jeez. Well, no, I say there are 26 endings, but there are there are only five that really matter. Right. Oh, only five. Uh, only five. Of um, it's, it's, yeah. Basically, like, there's, um, there's the first two, and then based on a decision you make at the end of the second, right. the third one can go one of three ways. Right. Uh, so all the canon endings are those five. Uh, the other endings are, I mean, like the, the Silent Hill um, joke endings. Like I've yeah, got okay. two of them already, because one of them is when you're changing your um, installed chips and programs. You can uninstall your operating system. Oh, I've heard about that one. And and that is an ending. The credits roll, and you get an ending ticked off on your save game. So that is an ending. Um, one of the endings, for example, is you start in a flight unit, dropping into a mission. And if you get shot down there, that's an ending. It's the ending where the game never actually took place, because you died before you even reached the first mission. <laughs> uh, there are uh, endings for uh, people offering you plot critical quests and saying will you help us and you can say no and then that's an ending right uh, so there, there's uh, i think losing each boss fight is also probably an ending in and of itself and then there's some secret joke endings um like the removing your chip so there's five story endings and then there's an awful lot of ways to end the game right. usually by dying Okay, that that's that yeah. makes a bit more sense. <laughs> it, it, it's in, in the same in the same realms that uh, the game I've been playing recently, Until Dawn, is supposed to have like a load of endings, but they are all mostly somewhat the same, with certain small aspects changed. Yeah, sort of the same sort of thing. Like I know okay. one of them is literally when they say, "Oh, please help us," and you go, "No," and the credits roll. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What a compelling story that would make. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <The, the>, uh, <laughs> credits. <laughs> but it's uh oh, one of the things I find really interesting about the characters is um, throughout two B keeps well not re repeatedly but occasionally stresses two nine s that emotions are prohibited. Androids are not allowed to feel emotion, and nine s also gets told off by his operator for being too casual uh like at one point he's he replies to a transmission with yeah yeah and the operator says a single affirmation will suffice 9s but 2b is one of the most deeply emotional characters in the game like the depths of her anger and uh somewhat platonic love for 9s are, are so 
raw that it's another sort of thing I feel in that allegory of God, angels, and man is yeah. it, it's their emotions are a parallel for free will. You know, the angels are supposed to have no free will, but Lucifer did rebel, so what the fuck? Mm. Yeah. Um, they're not allowed to have emotions, then why did we create them with emotions? Mm. Seems like the simpler way to do that would have been to not give them the capacity to feel. That's... And I'm so glad there's no... You know what, I actually, I nearly picked this up today. I nearly picked up Near Automata today. I, I think you, you should pick it up at your next opportunity. Like I said, I, I, Tomorrow. I got the demo, so I'm going to give that a go first. Yeah, the demo gives you a great sense for how the combat rolls. Um, it doesn't necessarily give you a sense of just how fucked up the story is. <laughs> uh, and, and how deep and interesting. I, I really enjoyed the demo, but it, it felt more like a Bayonetta game, and I was like, oh, actually, I'm all down for that. Some more Platinum Brawler with a, a really beautiful-looking um, system and some really crazy bosses. Like, the boss you fight at the end of the demo, which is also the first mission of the game, is essentially a living oil rig. Oh, yeah, wow. I've seen clips of that. <laughs> uh, and that's not the most messed-up boss you face by any means. The opera singer is probably my favourite. Okay. Mm, you'll know when you get there. <laughs> but yeah, near Automata. I'm I'm absolutely loving it, and like I said, stake in the ground. It's going to be hard to shift that away from my game of the year 2017. Excellent. I would recommend if you're going to get it, get the console version. I picked it up on Steam, and the PC port does suffer from performance issues. Not on Xbox One, though, is it? Nope. No. PlayStation. PlayStation only. Oh, Steam. Although I have got um, a, a patch, a community patch called Fix Automata Resolution, and I haven't had any crashes since installing that. So if you've got it on the PC, there's a little tip for you. There you go. That's a little one from us. Yeah, that's good. Handy. That's Guardians awesome. of the Galaxy? Yeah, let's talk about oh, it. Asgard is awesome, but yeah, I, I want to talk about Asgardians of the Galaxy as well, or Thor Ragnarok, as it's properly known. <laughs> yeah, well, this is an interesting one. Um, I love the director. Like, I know we've covered this before in a previous podcast, but I, I love that guy. Um, like a Waititi. Yeah, Waititi, yes. man. He is, a, he is a comic genius, and I'm going to say it again. If you, if you listeners have not seen what we do in the <laughs> shadows and hunt for the wilder people... Do yourselves a favour and watch both of them. They are genius. And that will inform you of the tone of what this one clearly has in store for us, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, I was so pleased to see how outright comic they were making that trailer. Yeah. They can't They can't play this one serious, can they, really? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no well, I mean, and got... let, let, go ahead. The, the setting of it all, it's like, this cannot remain a serious film. I, I think I think it's got it's definitely got elements there which they can have which are serious with like Hella oh, yeah, um, yeah. crushing crushing Mjolnir and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That, I mean the ultimate oh my God, threat of the film is Ragnarok, the end of Asgard. That bit's gonna be quite serious. Mm. Yes. The, yeah. The overall tone is what I meant. Yes, the overall tone is very similar to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like there well, was a very genuine threat going on in Guardians, but it was a cosmic Big scale, brightly coloured, and laced with humour. 
whilst dealing with that threat. This 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 yeah. trailer just makes me think of all the little shorts that Thor's had since, like what he was doing during Civil War. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. It's what that's what this feels like. Is the the combination of this. Yeah. The the aesthetic for it that I loved was when the when the title came out and you know yeah it blinked across and, and came into thing with all the purple and everything around it. The it really made me think of um, uh, Far Cry Blood yes. Dragon. Yes. Yeah. It's eighties metal. It's an eighties metal yeah. music video text swipe. There, there were there were two two things that instantly brought to mind. One was Far Cry Blood Dragon, and the other was uh, I know Irish will get this. Uh, Cyborg's favorite song from uh, Teen Titans Go. Yes. The, the, the sort of synth rock uh, <laughs> 80s tune. I remember that. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's a good call. It is. I mean... It, it's that sort of stuff. <laughs> but, you know. I, I mean, it is so metal. Like, so 80s metal. It's unbelievable. Like, I mean... I'm just trying... Oh, what was the... Um, uh, Hammer of the Gods? I'm trying to think. I've, I've got a blank on the... Oh, the, oh um, the, the Immigrant Song. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just such a perfect choice as well for that trailer like um yeah well it says hammer of the gods in it i mean come on um, yeah but yeah mjolnir being shattered oh my goodness to me i mean it's happened a lot in the comics but it's not ever happened in the uh the marvel cinematic universe uh no. at all. Mm-hmm. so this is this is gonna test thor in a way that he hasn't been for a while which is pretty cool as is wonderfully camp uh, Grandmaster in the form of Jeff Goldblum. I know, yes. he's, he's so good. <laughs> and I have to say, I'm actually really hopeful that this is going to be a film in which Loki is not the villain, in which Loki gets to yes. be a little bit of an anti-hero, because yeah. for all his bullshit, Asgard is his home, and if Thor is yep. unavailable and Asgard is under threat, time for the other son of Odin to step the fuck up. I honestly kind of hope that Loki gets a bit downplayed this film. Well, I think yeah. he's had he's had way too much screen time in the other film. I'm not saying I, I, I dislike Loki, but I really think he's been overdone in the yes, other films. But this is a Thor film, and Loki is a central figure to Thor. Yes. So, but I'm hoping... I mean, if you look at his arc in the Thor films, in the first Thor film, he wasn't outright trying to do harm to Asgard his plan just went horribly wrong. Uh, what he wanted was to be seen as equal to his brother. You know, he, he wanted yeah. to be a hero. Uh, it's only really in the Avengers that he went outright villain. Um, yeah. Again, you can talk about whether that's Joss Whedon changing characters for what he wants to do with the film without caring about the rest of the continuity. Or yeah. you could say he was under the control of Thanos. Either way... It's a big difference for the character. And here we have Hela, who is, by the way, she's the kind of villain Thor can't really stop. She can do magic, and Loki can deal with that shit. Perfect as well. She She looks fucking incredible. Like, just every single shot in that trailer, you just look and go, that, that is a credible threat. That is is everything that Malekith could have been. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh. Yes, they did the fucking hel- spot They on. did the helmet justice. Yeah, they did. Yes, they did not hold back with that. They've gone, 
<laughs> I, oh god, I laughed. Sorry. They uh, they've they've done well with the helmets, is what I was gonna say. They, <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult. It's difficult to do the sort of Asgardian helmets and do them right, like Loki's big horned uh, face mask thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and like Thor's got his like wings on his gladiatorial helmet. Like, um, yep, yeah. I mean, the highlight back in day. The highlight for me of this trailer. I mean, obviously, it's the big reveal at the end. And if you've listened to this so far, you should have just gone and watched the trailer. But the reveal at the end is something we all knew, like uh, introducing your incredible Hulk, and Hulk smashes through. But my favorite bit of the trailer is Thor going, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> it's this slow realization of the. It's, yes! I mean, the Hulk being it was, it was you know, I was sold on that anyway because yeah, uh, the Hulk yeah. fan and all that. Yeah. But it was when the entire crowd went silent. Yes. And, and, and the then we know each other. He explains. That's the best thing about it. He's like, you don't understand, guys. We know each other. It's like. Oh. And, then, and, then, and the Hulk for me, just... that's the big setup line. But the laugh line is when Thor realizes that maybe Hulk isn't here to be a friend from work no, and charges him, and Thor's face just just goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing because, like, Thor, uh, as everyone knows from watching Mar- the Marvel films, like Thor and Hulk have fought before, and as I recall, it was unresolved. But like, he definitely needed the hammer to sort of like keep it on an even footing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and... oh, yeah. It's been commented on by the makers of this film that, let's face it, Thor and Loki both have unfinished business with Hulk. <laughs> well, does, I think there's like... I, I don't know whether this is in the trailer or, so, or something else, but I looked at this image and it was... Um, not image, it was like a really short clip and it was Loki sat in his seat watching the gladiatorial fight, shifting uncomfortably in his seat. Yeah. Like Hulk. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's the best thing in the world who remembers <laughs> who would forget who would forget Uni god oh my god it's the most savage you know, say what you like about the avengers like the first film but like that bit was just excellent excellent like um correct me if i'm wrong but isn't hell isn't she loki's daughter in Norse mythology, yes. I'm not sure if in the original comics that's the case in, 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 the, in the Marvel comics. She's in the Marvel comics. Oh, okay. Because they're, they're a much different lifespan, obviously, to the rest of us. So. Yeah. But, I mean, again, in the, in the mythology, she's uh, Loki's child and the child of fire giants, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, but, yeah, uh, I mean, in the comics, she was a Loki's child? Uh, which it was look, her and Fenris has gone through a few different incarnations. Let's be honest. And, yep. Um, like, uh, yeah, she was Loki's child. Yeah. And was it Odin's uh, Odin's horse as well? Well, yeah. Like Loki had four children. He had Hel, uh, sleep near the, the horse, the, the multi-legged horse. Jormungandr uh, the world. Yep. Jormungandr uh, the world serpent. Uh, and Fenris the final wolf. The the big. Final battle god thing of the of Ragnarok. Norse mythology is amazing. <laughs> it's fucking rad. It's so, it's especially when best. you, especially when you read it as a prequel to Christianity. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unless what let's I'm it, kind yeah. of into with this film as well is that we're going to see Valkyrie. Yes. Um, mm. And more to the point, Tessa Thompson has signed on for a multi-movie deal. Nice. Ah. So Valkyrie will not be a one-off. Huh. That's good. 
that's really cool. And something I think we've overlooked with Hella, it's Kate Blanchett. Like she is <laughs> consistently amazing. Like she is, she's just an all-round good performer. I think she might be one of the highlights, if not the highlights of the entire picture. Yeah, I like the reports that Kate Blanchett has been taking capoeira classes to play Hella. Wow! Really? Wow! Yeah! Wow! That's pretty huh. damn cool. And we got Carl Urban turning up as Scourge as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So cool. I, like, I, I love to take three films to get Carl Urban into a goddamn Thor movie. I still don't understand that. <laughs> he belongs there, doesn't he? I, just I, right? I love people's reactions with him with the with the AKs. And then people are like, why has he got guns? Because from one of the comic books, that's an iconic scene. Yeah. Yeah. And also... Idris Elba is in this as well. I mean, if you think about the cast of this film, it's stunning. What a well, stunning got, um Sam Neill has confirmed to be in it, but we don't know what as. Oh, oh I forgot. Yes, he was confirmed to be in it, wasn't he? Really? Sam Neill. That's really strange. We also <laughs> have Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I mean, you know, we got... he won't be it... long. No, he won't. It'll be a cameo <laughs> appearance. A cameo. But he was he was okay as Doctor Strange. Like I I I, I mean I thought it was okay the film. Like I didn't think he did any damage to the part. So <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard a few things coming out of the production of this film that really make me happy. Uh, one of them were, was Waititi talking about how like for the visuals, his big influence was Jack Kirby. Yeah, like looking at the original Kirby artwork. Um, I'm all about that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we know they're kind of riffing on Planet Hulk, which is awesome. A mystery Sam Neil appearance. Yes, please. I'm up for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just looking great. Yeah, it, it is looking like a really, really solid uh, uh, attempt right now. And like what you're saying with um the uh with it being jack kirby like I, i'm noticing that marvel are becoming more and more referential the way that they fix a shot to how the artists have done it as well like yeah with spider-man like it's steve ditko spider-man like at the moment do you know what i mean like they, they're kind Absolutely. of embracing all of the artists work with what how they're putting these films to, across which is just great it's something that perhaps another comic book <laughs> slash movie company could do with although that being said they did Dark Knight Returns sort of things but never mind we're not going to talk about it we're not going to talk about it but yeah this is dare I say it this is looking like the film the Thor franchise needed to follow Dark World yeah yep. yes poor Christopher Eccleston poor Christopher Eccleston yeah, he got he had two, screwed on that project. He had two good and evil plan. Yes. Yep. Dude, that's that's the problem. Back. His his plan was sensible but not cinematic. Yeah. Yep. But yes, yeah, so we've we've got that trailer and that's been a lot of fun. Um what else has has news broken movie cast, trailer and game trailer? Well, they've cast cable, haven't they now? Oh, they have. Oh, yes, yeah, so they have. Which is weird, because uh, it's Josh Brolin, just to say, for those who don't know, uh, Josh Brolin. Uh, but Josh Brolin famously plays another Marvel character, uh, the figurehead of 
all of the universe and what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been building up towards, and now he is also Cable. That is cool, but also slightly weird. It really is. Like, I'm I'm glad because he fits the role perfectly. Oh yeah, definitely. His his look is just it's spot on. Even like all you need to do is just put you know make his hair white. That's it done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in fairness, you wouldn't recognize Josh Brolin as Thanos. No, that's true. And his voice is heavily modified, so I think they can get away with this quite comfortably. And also, there is another bonus, and that is the fact that he is going to be in a very self-referential <gasps> fourth wall-breaking film. You've got to yeah, expect could actually get mileage out of it. That they're going to yeah. rip on that joke for a long time. <laughs> that he... I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be as damaging as, say, casting Benedict Cumberbatch as two separate characters in the same movie franchise. Uh, what, or indeed what? as casting Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> yes, I was, I was mostly just aiming at his bits in The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, I know he's in The Hobbit, yeah. Guys, 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 the poor man. The poor man. Yes, that poor man with his millions and millions of pounds. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's not that poor jobs. anymore. No, I know. I didn't mean it like that. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Like uh, I, I was kind of, I kind of withheld my judgment before, uh, before seeing Deadpool. Then I saw it, and I really, really, really liked it. It's like, it was great. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, the next one. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be really. I wasn't as sold on. I wasn't as sold on Deadpool, but I will still definitely be going and seeing the sequel. Cool. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah, definitely going to see definitely, the next. Yeah, one. I mean the 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 teaser that they released this year alone. <laughs> you know, see, it's, it's just, just great. That's Shut just it, great. Stanley. <laughs> see, I laugh about it. Just thinking about it, just trying to get dressed in the phone box whilst the guy in the alleyway is d- slowly dying. Oh my god. Yeah, it's good. See, well, speaking of people that have suddenly been like attached to things, um, I, I did see some very interesting new news uh, coming out about uh, a new Labyrinth movie. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yes. And, and the fact that they've attached apparently they've attached a director to it, Fede Alvarez, who people might remember as the person who directed the remake of The Evil Dead, and the like. Very stomach churning film. Don't breathe about the the blind guy getting like yeah. uh, his house broken into and going on a killing spree. Yeah, is now attached to direct the new Labyrinth movie. Like that's a weird progression of movies. <laughs> I think that I, I mean it. I mean I'm sure he hasn't been. Well, maybe no, maybe he has been picked because of his his part of his resume. But I mean, I, I think uh, Sinister Edge was always kind of implied in the original like it was always a bit oh yeah no I'm not, I'm not saying there isn't but like it's just such like there's evil dead and then there's don't breathe yeah which are both very very graphically violent films yeah yeah and then suddenly there's labyrinth well um uh, i I don't know. I mean, there's there's obviously going to be the people digging their their heels in in regards to remaking it because, uh, well, it's it's a classic. It's it's something that I think is still highly watchable even now. I I think although elements of it are aged, it's still charming. You can still like oh, get through yeah. it, you know. So I don't know. I, I do still love that movie. No, it's we... great. 
yeah, obviously it's about me. Like, <laughs> I, I do not envy the, the person who's stepping into those shoes. Yeah, it's um, going to be interesting to see who they pick because that's going to make a statement. Yeah, it does. It also also mean in in the linked news because of him being in Don't Breathe, it means we don't we don't get Stephen Lang as uh, Cable. Oh, like if, if you do a, just a quick Google search there for for Stephen Lang, like oh yeah, that guy could have been perfect, and I think he was the one that was going for a big push to try and get cast as well. Was Stephen Lang the fella in Don't Breathe? Yeah, he was also in Avatar. He was uh, Quaritch. Yeah, I know. The guy who really wanted to be Cable. Mm. Yeah, And totally looks the part as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, as much as they say that Brolin does, like, Stephen Lang, holy shit, it is just like he stepped out of the goddamn comics. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And I think mm. there was another trailer. Yeah. There was a trailer that I've spent, like, the second half of this day watching. let's well i really want to talk about very very briefly i want to talk about star wars celebration it's a big one it is 40 years of uh star wars uh and the people over there at lucasfilm have definitely have put on a show i mean whilst we're recording this dear listeners it's still going um, it's uh, the final day is the 16th, so God knows what else yeah, they're going to fling at us. It's a long event because it I is. mean, I was at the last one. And... I know, I'm so jealous about that as well. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, the, the, they, they plugged the um, Friday, uh, sorry, yesterday's, so that's Thursday's um, event on basically the past of Star Wars. Uh, it was looking at the entire uh, saga as it exists at the moment. Um, they had an epic uh, sort of panel where they brought out, uh, first of all, George Lucas came out, um, which was great. It was actually really nice for him to be, uh, to get some positive feedback, shall we say, from uh, the fans, because he hasn't made an appearance like this in a little while. And when he came out, everyone just was on their feet screaming, um, and he actually seemed to be enjoying himself as well, which is another rare thing. Um, uh, well, I guess the stress is off. Like, he doesn't yeah. have to worry about any anyone questioning his influence on the movies. He doesn't have any anymore. Uh, and everyone there is, like, the biggest fan of Star Wars they could possibly be. They travelled for the 40th anniversary celebration. Yeah. So if he's going to get a positive reaction from any crowd, it's going to be that crowd. This is a Absolutely. chance for him to chill out. Yeah. Although and- social media him apart oh really <coughs> yeah they, they were less than kind when he they turned were... up just because there's still a lot of people who blame george lucas for doing terrible things to the franchise oh well see, i mean you know my opinion I, I, on uh two podcasts now i have vented about <laughs> the prequels you know this but i still acknowledge that they are obviously part of the picture like they <sighs> And it, it does it does sting to say, but yes, they are part of the picture. And there are still cool things that come from it. For example, yeah. two of the guests they brought on um, before the, the main show, as it were, were Ian McDermott and Hayden Christensen. Uh, Ian McDermott being the Emperor, Hayden Christensen, as everyone knows, is Anakin Skywalker. And uh, again, like I, I've never blamed... A lot of people give Hayden Christensen a lot of flack, but I, I personally don't blame him for obviously the way those films went down 
I've seen him in other stuff, and he gave passable, if not pretty good, performances. You know, so um, well, that's the thing. He's I, a surprisingly I... yeah, sorry. sorry he's, a, he's a surprisingly subtle actor. Like yes. when you really look at what he can do, he's really good. He got given some really chud lines in the prequel films. He, like, he got given a did. pretty shitty skit. Yeah, but I will, I will, I will hold fast to my opinion. He did not do the most with that material that he could have. True. Yeah. True. But regardless, he came Unlike out there. Unlike Ewan McGregor, who, regardless of what you gave him to work with, did more than you could have hoped with whatever material he was given. <laughs> That's very true, but that is Ewan McGregor, who is outstanding in everything. Yes. Uh, like, he's at another level, and he he's one of my favourites. He's just great. But bless him, like, is the, he was... Hayden Christensen was so humble, like, uh, and he accepted questions, and he, he just seemed, you know, it seemed like he was enjoying himself. And I thought, this is this is so great. This is a time for celebration. There is no negativity in this at all. Like, it's almost like it's 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 just been absorbed into something greater now. And it was really good, and it was great to see old Ian McDermott like tell a few anecdotes about being the emperor and stuff that was great and then the the main cast of the original trilogy came out um and including harrison ford his first uh celebration appearance and it stoned off his face but um, <laughs> like, um it was great they made a joke they were like um they're like oh so uh you're obviously really really uh uh, what what kind of uh, stuff influenced you, and what affected your uh, performance for being Han Solo? Like, um, I understand you're a pilot, so you know all about flying. And then he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. not so great on the landings, though." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was like, "Yes, Harrison Ford, amazing, <laughs> just amazing." Um, and they also had this um, overwhelmingly emotional tribute to the late great Carrie Fisher, like it was um like that 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 clip alone has gone like viral. It's it's a beautiful a beautiful tribute to her. Um Yeah, that was yeah, an amazing video. It it really was. Um and uh, obviously this this whole celebration has kind of been centered towards the fact that look, we lost someone amazing and uh it's it's been brought up a lot, but rightly so. I mean she was incredible as we all know. Yeah, I mean there, there needs to be a memorial element to it. Yeah. Uh, especially given that, you know, they're there to celebrate the whole franchise, but also an upcoming film release that will be her last work. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget uh, Kenny Baker as well, who uh, also sadly passed away. They, they paid tribute to him as well. Really nice. Um, those who don't know, Artiditi, the fella in the bin. Um, <laughs> uh, like that's probably actually the way he would have described yeah, it as yeah, well. I don't think, I don't think yeah. even to his dying day, I don't think Kenny knew what Star Wars was. <laughs> no, bless him. He was he was an eccentric one, but he was great. Um, so that he never was... got to see any of it. He was in a bin the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> or falling down a cliff in Tunisia. You know, <laughs> Artie went down. Artie went down like a lot in in the uh, in the Tatooine scene. <laughs> But so yeah, so that that was that was um, yesterday, and they they had Ray Park as well, uh, Darth Maul. They had uh, all three people to portray the Fett clan. You had the the kid Boba, Jango Fett, and you had Jeremy Bullock, who was the original Boba Fett, all uh, 
and a Q&A as well, which is really great. Um, it's just been absolutely fantastic. And then today arrived, and they're focusing on the the new generation. So there was a lot of stuff about Rogue One. Uh, but the, obviously the highlight was the Last Jedi panel, where individually uh, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega... Um, uh, I can't remember her name, but they've brought out like a she was a, a new cast member who is Ellie playing Kelly Marie a, Tran. Yes, who is very. I was first introduced to the concept of Kelly Marie Tran being in this film uh, last year when I was at Celebration, and I was chatting in line with someone who was working on the Last Jedi at the time, huh. and he shared a few photos of her training on set, and shared with me the knowledge she's incredible. She oh, wow. is going to tear things up. Like, she's tiny, but utterly tenacious, and she's really going to be a star. And I've been super excited to learn more this whole time, uh, and now we know a little bit about her, and I'm super excited to see more from Kelly Marie Tran. And I'm insanely jealous that you had that experience. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but and I will say, she was training alongside Daisy, and she was training with a substitute for a sword of some kind no way i'm not saying she will be doing lightsaber work i'm just saying she definitely had that experience training That's highly interesting because what they spoke about her today was the fact that she's actually she works in maintenance for yeah. the resistance um which has me thinking that oh well maybe she'll be alongside finn and poe because it looks like those two will be put together in particular um uh, and all those shippers out there obviously still keep your fingers crossed um, <laughs> but uh so yeah she looks she looks really interesting and she had so much energy like uh, speaking of the panel as well she obviously really is enjoying herself so that's uh, obviously a plus and then they obviously brought out uh mark hamill as well uh they stretched him out no i'm kidding um and uh he uh, was obviously there to speaking about how grateful he is to have lines this time that's <laughs> that's that's good uh, and obviously they had uh, kathleen kennedy and they had um uh, ryan johnson and they they did a big q a and then they showed the trailer and oh my god it is so good uh, i think anyone listening to this will have probably seen the trailer or have seen it posted it's gone obviously insane yeah my, uh, my, my facebook feed is just full of all my friends going oh my god yeah i mean i mean i shared it but i there was probably no reason to share it because as soon as i did i looked and i was like oh wait it's everywhere um, <laughs> it's gone into the wall it the is, wall of is, star wars it is um and like it's it's amazing and i i think the opening of this trailer i think my theory is is that it's going that's going to be the opening shot because we know that the last jedi is going to begin right where force awakens finish which any other star wars film has never done like they always have like a big gap in between but this one's going right from where we left it and it's this amazing amazing shot of what appears to be a star field i just i just want to stop you there go ahead uh rogue one episode 4 what do you mean? That follows immediately on. 
Oh, I want to mean the canon ones. Uh, well, uh, no, that is canon. I mean the saga ones. The saga ones. Oh, you got me there. You got me good. Um, <laughs> but I think that might be the opening shot because how are you going to have a Starfield if it's going to open on Acto, the uh, you know where the island is where Luke's been? Like I reckon it's going to go from that sort of Starfield and fade into I don't know. That's my thoughts. There could be there could be other ways i guess but i mean this trailer has done an awful lot to convert confirming what most of us have been have believed for a while is that luke um let's just say he's had enough he's had enough he's too old for this shit he's too old for this shit and it looks like his sight has gone beyond that of light and dark he he in fact, he there's the line in the trailer where he's obviously training Ray, and he says, uh, "Breathe, like reach out what you see." And she says, "Light and darkness." And you see images of Leia, and you see a smashed Kylo Ren helmet. And then he says, "It's so much bigger." So I, I mean, to me, that's that's all but confirming that Luke is kind of seeing that there has to be a balance that you can't have one without the other, you know. Well, at the, um, end of the, at the end of the trailer, he's saying that can't, this has to be the end of the Jedi. I know. Only, Jedi, I, I only know one end. truth. It's time for the Jedi to end. Yeah. 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 Um, which is incredibly exciting. Like, it, I mean, which I've been saying ever since Kotor Two because Rail is white. We've had we've had this conversation uh, for. Those who don't know, we we played a Star Wars RPG uh, amongst ourselves. So I, me and Simon have had this conversation a lot <laughs> over, the, over the years that we've known each other. Um, My so character great. was pretty fixed in that opinion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You were somewhat a progressive <laughs> uh, Jedi, shall we say? Um, but no, amazing visuals. There's there's the shot of like. Um, uh, a beam of light shining upon like a, a small collection of books, which I'm convinced are the journals of the wills, which was what the original Star Wars title was going to be. Uh, uh, the journal of the wills, a Star Wars saga. Um, I I reckon it's uh, I reckon it's Luke's uh, Leia Chewy fanfic. I thought you were going <laughs> to say it's porno stash. Well, look at look at it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, looking at the. Um image on the books it looks like the jedi academy logo yeah it's uh, the republic no well the republic the republic borrowed that for some of their insignias that's the that's the jedi symbol but we've never actually seen that symbol in the films that's all no expanded art that is now appearing in the film yeah Um, it sort of looks a bit like the jedi code book that you can buy yeah Mm. it does Yeah. yeah Um, which is cool, and you, you you see, you can hear, it's interesting when you have the shot of Kylo Ren's smashed helmet, you hear the Pal- Palpatine, you hear Vader's breath, and then when you have the shot of those books and stuff, you can hear Yoda in the background and stuff, like, very, very cool stuff. And then and we're just psyched for the brief shot of Phasma fucking yes. burning oh, everything. God. Yeah, she gets with... <laughs> Does she do stuff this film? Please, she's got, I goddamn hope. So. Well, she's already she's already got more screen time in this trailer than she did in the first yeah. film. So she is at the front of a massive force of stormtroopers marching through the flames. Yeah, um, Ryan Johnson. And they always said that she was in the first one to set her up, 
as yeah. a character. Yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson said in the in the actual uh, sort of interview that he was in that yeah, so Starkiller Base was destroyed, but as was the entire network of the govern the governing force that was ruling in the galaxy at that point. So he said he said this isn't a secret. He says the first order are jumping on this opportunity and will be aggressively um basically aiming to make as much of an impact as possible. So I reckon I reckon that that this the shots of all the space fights in this is the first order basically making one big old push to like try and take over, I think. Um we're also greeted to a really interesting and I think Mad Max inspired shot of these insane looking, almost B-wing like sand skips busting a, a, their grooves towards what appear to be a line of Imperial walkers. Um, that just looks really cool. Um, and it, it, there's just so much. Uh, and but I think the one thing, and I don't want to talk about this too much because, like, oh, I know, like, last time with Force Awakens coming up, we spent most of a year on the podcast talking about Star Wars. <laughs> so I'll try and wrap this up. But I think the the main thing we can take away from this trailer is the it, it is the tone. It doesn't give too much away, but it, it, it is basically a very ominous trailer. And despite the fact that you have the Force theme playing over it, it's and obviously the music is amazing. Like the music makes it. Um, it is a really foreboding kind of. Uh, Much just like a, Empire was the the ominous note in the middle of yeah. the original trilogy. Yeah, the fact that we've got that tone, the fact that the creators in this panel are talking about how the destruction of the Republic has led to a galaxy in chaos yeah. and an aggressive First Order pushing forward. This feels like it's going to be the Empire of the trilogy in so much as it's the Dark One. Absolutely. And uh, from what I've seen, I'm because a, a lot of concerns that I think we've all had is that with Force Awakens, there are a lot of it mirror or, or inversions, as I think you put it, Simon, on the podcast that we said about Force Awakens, inversions of the New Hope um, film. Hopefully they are going to de deviate. I don't think they're... I think they're smart enough to not make this an Empire clone, as it were. Yeah. Um, I, I, I even, even said of the first one, I thought it was sort of important to do it that way because of people's feelings on the prequels, because of people's suspicions of the creative team, yeah. to make it a very, very Star Wars film. And they did that by basically remaking Star Wars in, in a sort of flipped way. But mm. I think they bought people's confidence with that film and the fact that they've got someone like Ryan Johnson in to do this one tells me they want to get a bit more creative and original. Yeah. So I, I think we can expect something thematically the empire yes. of this trilogy, but not definitely plot-wise. Plot they might actually throw one or two original ideas into this one, you mean? Uh, <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And you know what? I'll be right. You know what? You will have to tell me how it is. You're not going to watch it. You could not pay me enough. <laughs> I think you'll end up watching it because you said that about I... the last one. No, no, no. At the last one I said, I'm going to go and see it. I'm going to give it a go. I don't think I... I, I I'm sure there's probably a recording somewhere of me contradicting myself here. But... We, yeah, oh, yeah, well, uh, I was just uh, we, we have a recording of the Force Awakens podcast where you 
endlessly compliment it and say you will go and see episode eight. <laughs> so go back and listen to that. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That, you that will sounds like a lie about it. <laughs> that sounds like a lie to me. Okay, but after the after the travesty that was Force Awakens, this trailer needed to be shining and godlike to get me to go and watch episode eight and. For me, it's really, really, really fallen flat. Well, you got to remember, this is the start of a year of publicity. This is the first yeah. teaser trailer. This is the one to get the fans oh, yeah. already invested, excited, without the, giving anything the, away. There's going to be more to come. I, I absolutely recognize that. But based on this trailer, I am very much not sold. Okay. I am, if only because of the Jedi must end. I, yeah, I want yeah. to see where they're going to go with introducing that concept into actual canon saga Star Wars movies. Yeah, it's that makes me really excited. Me, me too. Love all of it's made me really excited. Um, and much more to come. I mean, Star Wars Celebration isn't over, so uh, I'm sure we have a few things that might, maybe not for the, this, this, uh, the Last Jedi, but just some interesting stuff coming as well. So it's been a good weekend, or a long weekend as it is uh, so far for me. So, great stuff. And celebration has come from over. Yeah. Um, But today, uh, almost, well, over an hour (laughs) into the podcast, um, we're going to talk about another space-faring epic saga that has had a new chapter recently. I was going to say... Are we? Because I know Jack needed to keep it short, and we've run yes. an hour and a half already. Is it an hour <laughs> there, and there was, yeah, there was that massive fuck up at the beginning, which was entirely my fault. I do apologise for uh, okay. the, the the tech issue. No, that's Honestly, fine. I think we've got enough content for an episode. That's fine. We can save <laughs> it. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> let's let's end on like a positive note. I feel like I drag shit down at the end. There, I do apologise. It's all right. No, I don't think so. I th- I think the note is still positive because. Uh, Rob and I are super excited. I imagine yeah. I are yes. probably looking forward to it. Maybe not as excited as we are. Hello? <laughs> Irish? Clearly not at all. No, he's, he's I'm, not I'm at all excited. I'm, I'm, he is catatonic. I'm, yeah, I'm excited for it. Very much so. Yeah. And, and with Jack being less than enthusiastic, it just means we're going to have another enthusiastic debate like we did with the Force Awakens episode. <laughs> yes. Where, where also, Jack... hang on, hang on. Hang on, didn't wasn't my wasn't let me just wasn't my review in the last episode that I thought Phantom Menace was better. You, but that's the thing. At one point, you said that you hated the prequels, and then like a couple of moments later, said that you really liked them. So it's hard to tell. It's uh, I don't know about really liked them, but preferred them to Force Awakens is different from really liking them. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to go back and listen. We will, because I it, uh, yeah, my 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 tastes and whatnot change on a somewhat. Hourly basis. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they do. But yeah, looking great, and um, yeah, the the force is with them over in Orlando this day. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting that we're going to learn more about rebels coming up. Yeah, they should hopefully start teasing some stuff by the end of the weekend about the Han Solo movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the uh you mean the uh what's it called? The uh, Donald Glover movie with Han Solo in it as well. That's the one. He's yeah. he totally has sold that for anyone who wasn't on board. 
Dong will ever be involved as like because I, I wasn't entirely enthusiastic about them choosing Han Solo. Like, but then again, I said them out Rogue One, and I actually really enjoyed Rogue One. So I don't know. We shall see. Um, I I really enjoyed uh, the panel last year where they introduced us to the actor who would be playing Han Solo. Not necessarily for his appearance, but uh, John Boyega's massive enthusiasm for the whole project <laughs> and oh, the guy God. in question because John Boyega. Fuck, he loves Han Solo, adores yeah. him, and and saw the new Han smile and just lost it because yes. he, like, he smiles just like him. And, <laughs> and watching that enthusiasm, not from one of the fans in attendance, but from one of the guys on the stage, the star of, well, the co-star of Force Awakens was just so infectious. So oh, I feel like I got excited for this film then. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, John, John Vega is excellent. Like in in this Star Wars celebration, I I watched him. It was only like an hour before we started recording, but he had uh, it's a D eleven, which is like a really big, stumpy uh, Star Wars gun. Um, you can actually have it in um, uh, Battlefront, um, but this one was a t shirt gun that fires t shirts, and he was aiming it into a crowd, <laughs> um, but fired it. At, uh, shall we say slightly aggressive angle uh, with the first shot, which was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, John Boyega's enthusiasm, if anything, will carry the Han Solo film forward. Um, even though he's not in it. Even though he's not in it. And, and you say about Rebels, like, I was never really sold on Rebels until, like, the closing... Like I don't, I don't really watch it to be honest. But I ended up watching for an episode called uh, Twin Sons, which was the the epilogue uh, of uh, Darth Maul's uh, reappearance yeah. into the animated world. And you know what? I thought, I thought, fucking a, they've actually they've actually done something that I really liked, and that was for there. And and, for, uh, and spoiler alert: if you're into Rebels and you've not seen this, although I I, I doubt that, maybe I don't know, um, but. There's a there's a confrontation between uh, old Alec Guinness Obi Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul around a campfire, and let's just say <laughs> it doesn't last long. And I loved that it was done like that, like a proper old school samurai face off, you know, where they draw and then it's over. One of them goes down. That's what it was. Yeah, the fight should last for one stroke, and, and it was. It, it did. And it's, it, I just thought these guys really know what they're doing because uh, Maul goes for the the shot where he drives the the two handed lightsaber's hilt into the face like he does with Qui Gon before he spins around and impales him. He tries that with Obi Wan, and Obi Wan cuts it in half and then fucking kills him. And it's like, oh whoa, like fair play, Rebels, you did. Obi Wan well. has uh, had years to prepare for that move. Yes, yes, <laughs> and I was like, you know what, that that was. That was really good. Well done, Rebels. I might uh, I might jump on a bit more in future. I I recommend it. Uh, I really enjoy it. Like the very f the first couple of seasons were it's very its own thing. Uh, the crew having their own adventures, doing their own thing. But we're getting close in the Rebels timeline. Time is passing, and we're approaching Rogue One. Yeah. We're approaching the era of New Hope. And you're starting to see certain musical cues from New Hope appearing in Rebels as yes, yeah. characters and events are becoming very familiar. Yeah. And uh, also Thrawn is there. Thrawn, yeah. Anything with Thrawn I watch, to be fair. And he's really good. He is. Like, 
and true to the original character of Thrawn. Yeah. Uh, very much so. So Mads brother. Yeah. It is, yeah. It's gotten very, very strong. Yeah. And it's just going to get stronger, I feel, as it gets closer and closer to tying into the canon of the movies, as we get closer and closer to, uh, as we know, their ship appearing in Rogue One. Yes, and the ge- the general, I can't remember her name, but the general, general Sindala. Sindala gets a mention in Rogue One. They say alert General yeah, Sindala, she's, yeah. So. She's not a general yet in the show, but yeah. she's getting to the point where they're going to have to make her one because deep. the timeline has to match up. It does. They're very <laughs> deep cuts about it all. Like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. Um, so yeah, <laughs> Star Wars Rebels, there you go. <laughs> we did a bit about Rebels at the end of the world. Good stuff. So yeah, uh, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared, and that really was Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. I have been in a box. I have been out of a box. And I've just been Irish. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Right, someone let Jack out of the box. That was a Dangerously Unprepared podcast. Visit DangerouslyUnprepared.com to catch all our episodes and to submit topics for shows you'd like us to do in future. Follow us on Twitter at Unprepared Show. Find us on Facebook as Dangerously Unprepared. Thanks, as ever, go to Simply Syndicated for hosting us, IPI for the original music we based our theme tune on, and to you for listening. We hope you listen again. <laughs>